Welcome to the Wealthy After Divorce podcast. Jackie Ressler, a divorce financial planner with almost 25 years experience, and myself, Melissa Freidenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. We are both certified divorce financial analysts and your co-hosts. If you're thinking about divorce or in the process of divorce, this is a time for you to take a deep breath and give yourself permission to gain clarity on the financial decision you're facing. While the term wealth typically refers to money and possessions, we know that truly being wealthy means a whole lot more. Together with our guests on this podcast, we will help you live wealthy after divorce. Hi, this is Jackie Ressler. Today we're talking about the importance of having a team of professionals working with you during your divorce process and why it makes a difference. I always tell my clients that it really does take a village sometimes and people specializing in different areas of the divorce, be that the attorney, financial planner, realtor. Um, And today we are lucky enough to have a realtor as our guest who specializes in working with divorce and is has a particular interest and sensitivity to working with clients in divorce and how to make the sale and the treatment of the marital home work out more successfully. So welcome, Jody Douglas. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So I find that most professionals who gear their practice towards the divorce arena have a very personal reason for doing that. Um, It's not an accident. (laughs) Can you share with us a little bit about how and why you came to specialize in the divorce arena for for selling homes? Absolutely. Um, I started within this field about seven years ago after my own divorce. Um, At that time, I had become a stay-at-home mom. I had a career in academic medicine. I was the director of continuing medical education for the University of Pennsylvania. And then we moved out to California and I was in the medical field out there and then transitioned into being a stay-at-home mom. And then after a 20-year marriage, I ended up getting a divorce. And it was through that process of not fully understanding the process of divorce and having what I kind of coined as divorce brain, um, that I transitioned into real estate. It was just a very emotional experience because at that point, I did not realize that I needed that six months child support and alimony to qualify as income to have a house on the, you know, after my divorce. And we sold our house within four days and I was left scrambling. And at that point, I ended up doing a portfolio loan where the banks keep it on their own books. But I always thought, you know, I should have been kind of a little bit more open and hearing what people were saying to me um, and, and instructing me and telling me. But again, it's that you're not at your personal best whenever you are going through this. So there's so much information coming at you at one time that you really just don't know kind of what to make of everything. So that was the big hurdle for me. So after the divorce, I received my real estate license and I transitioned into this portion of my uh, real estate business. 
that must have been a powerful experience for you if you decided from that point that you wanted to go into this field and help people with that. It really, it really was. It was just a very, it was a very scary situation for me because I'm looking at myself going, oh my gosh, like you can't, you can't qualify for a house. What are you going to do? And I, I had my kids, you know, full time. So um, I really needed to quickly make some decisions. So after that, I obtained my real estate license and then proceeded down this path. So can you explain a little bit more for our audience? Because some people are going through divorce and that's maybe mm-hmm. the last thing that they're thinking about. How many, you said, you mentioned that you have to have income uh, that mm-hmm. you that qualifies you. So even if you have good credit, can you explain a little bit more about that? Sure. So in my case, I was strictly using my child support and alimony to qualify as income for the purchase of another home. And so within the federal guidelines, I needed six months child support and alimony. But we I only had one month of child support and alimony. So I didn't have the banks would not give me a loan. So I had to come up with an alternative way. So it was was really at that point just researching what are my choices. Um, it wasn't my ex-husband was actually willing to buy the house for me and have me pay him. And I, I couldn't do that. You know, my dad was willing to co-sign for me. And uh, at that point, it was probably more a matter of pride. Like, I will figure this out on my own. And that's what I ended up doing. So I researched it and figured out that there are banks out there that will do portfolio loans and which is that they keep it on their own books. So it was just really my back was against the wall. And I had to figure out what my next step was going to be very quickly, because once we did put our house on the market, it was under contract within four days. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's something that you hope for, but then dealing with the reputation of that. Exactly. Exactly. Did you have to get any specialized training to, or what kind of experience do you find is really helpful that you have versus someone who doesn't? specialize in divorce. So again, this, just the whole divorce process, it was just very transformational for me. So I really took a step back and I thought from two angles, not only how can I better serve my clients, but how can I better serve the entire, the legal community and the divorce process in general? Because you know, when the house, it's typically the largest or one of the largest assets that divorcing couples have. And so it to me, it's much more than putting the sign in the yard and selling the house. You know, the divorce, when you're going through the divorce, you really are experiencing four divorces in one. You're experiencing that legal and the financial divorce. You're experiencing the social and the emotional divorce. And where the house comes into play is typically that house is representative of the brick and mortar of a marriage. It's a home. It's not a house. So when I'm working with the divorcing homeowners, I'm very aware of of the difference. So when I'm speaking to them, it's either the marital property and it's the house. I'm taking, I'm trying to take that emotion away from them kind of having those feelings of home of, you know, the holidays and stuff. It's a house. It's an, uh, it's, we're selling the house. You can create a home someplace else. And there's, it's very different. 
So I really looked at it. How can I better serve everyone? And so I went and I did civil mediation training. I did domestic relations mediation training. And then I just kept going one step further. I did the collaborative legal training. And again, through this all, I ended up at the same time of getting my real estate license, taking this training. I went to Michigan State and I did a master's in management strategy and leadership. And then I just felt like I kept going down a rabbit hole of wanting more information. So I did certified divorce coach training. Now, I never wanted to be a mediator or a divorce coach. Again, it's this is a very emotional experience. And I wanted to be able to better serve my clients and remain as that neutral because most of the times every people have their own legal counsel on both sides. Sometimes they'll have maybe their own financial advisors, but the realtor needs to be neutral. So how can I remain neutral and, and have that language to kind of keep people calm within that transaction? Because even outside of a divorce, Selling a home is very, very emotional. If you're relocating, if you're downsizing, it's a very emotional process. And then I have two additional certifications within divorce real estate itself. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so it was really a rabbit hole that I just kind of wanted more and more information as to how can I, because for me, it's more than just putting that sign in the yard. Right. It's personal. It's, it's personal. You treat it more. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, obviously you've got a passion for helping people through this. Exactly. So you're mostly neutral. So that means that you are typically working with both parties, which makes sense. So if, if the marital home is going to be sold, um, how do you find, what I find is that many of my clients are arguing when they're talking, when they both agree that the house is going to be sold, they start arguing about making repairs to the house. And that is a consistent conversation that we have in many of my cases, because one party invariably wants to put 10, 15, $20,000 of marital property into the home to repair it. And the other one wants to just put it up for sale. How do you handle those kinds of um, disagreements between clients? So again, I mean, it's coming back to that education piece, the same way that I gained additional further education for myself. I really take it in educating my clients on the pros and the cons of doing certain things within the house. So step one is whenever I come into that situation, I have a form that I have created that it lists both, you know, finding out who both attorneys are, if there's a mediator involved, um, what does this house and part of the questions on there are what type of repairs need to be made. And we walk through together and I point out what the key areas are that we need to focus on. I then bring in a stager, which I pay for. Now I don't pay for like additional furnitures to be brought in, but I pay for this a stager to come in to tweak areas because a lot of times it might just be even taking some of the stuff that they have and removing and maybe you know reorganizing furniture but we do have to get the house in that sell ready condition because if not it can it will it will hinder that maybe that ability to sell 
or not getting as much money for the home as you would like to get. So it's really, and as I tell my clients all the time, we need to be kind of, you know, negotiating with one party only, and that's the buyer. So we need to have all of this information figured out and all of these repairs and the situation figured out in advance um, before going on the market. I also then, part of that education process with them, once we come to that though, that um, time that they have decided what repairs are being made, I let's say I'm I meet with someone September 1st and we know that we aren't listing the home until January 5th. I will take that and I will work backwards. And these are the key things that need to be done within the time frame and then everybody gets a copy of it. So I give a copy to the attorneys, I give a copy of my form that so with that form that I had stated, what I do is I meet with both parties Sometimes it's together, sometimes it's individually. Then I send them the document. They review the document as to what everyone has agreed upon. So there's no he said, she said. What everyone has agreed upon. If there's changes that need to be made, I make the changes. I send everything to the clients then and then to both parties and anyone else. If there's a mediator that needs to be sent it. So, and what I have found and what attorneys have told me is that this is really great because if there is that arguments that end up happening within the process that they can then take it and say to the judge and say, look, this is what was agreed upon on such and such a date. And both parties have to acknowledge to me, the um, both spouses have to acknowledge to me that they were in receipt of that document. So when I send it, I make them respond back to me that they received it. So that there's no, there's no, I never saw that document. It's that again, just taking it one step further. And my hope is, is that then it helps diffuse some of those discussions and the, the, the temperature in the room, because once you get into those mediation sessions or the real discussions, I think that's when the heated moments start to come out sometimes. And I think that the situation that you just described to me is exactly why people need to use someone like you because a general realtor isn't, that isn't even going to be on their radar. And I can't tell you how many cases that I have right now that are getting stopped because they can't agree on repairs on the house. And, um, you know, we, this is a, it's not common in my practice anyway, where I see uh, realtors providing that kind of service that you're providing. So that's a tremendous benefit. It just really is. It's, it's, it's understanding that when you're going through the divorce, you're not Again, you're not at your personal best. And I think if you really do break it down, that there are those four divorces, that this is where that are happening at one time and that social and emotional, you can easily see the legal and the financial. But when you add in that social and emotional, I like where I live. I like my neighbors, my kids, I've raised my kids. I don't want to lose the house. Then I, you know, years ago I had, one that they, this was years after a couple years after they had divorced and they decided to keep the home until the, um, the daughter or the son, whoever was out of high school and the in-house spouse did not do anything to the house within that time frame. 
the out-of-house spouse did not do anything. They were both being so passive aggressive towards each other that in the end, they ended up only hurting themselves. So I think that that's the, whether you're selling the house or however it is, you want to make sure you have to somehow look at this logically to move forward and try to take that emotion out of it. So it's presenting the facts and as to why. And right, we may not have to make those $15,000 of repairs, but we may need to declutter this house and stage it and have it at its personal best. While you know, you're trying to hold on to this house, you're also you're you're hurting yourself by doing that sometimes because you're not getting as much money. Right. And I agree with you. I always try to tell clients that my job is to have them think about their divorce as if it was a business splitting up. Because if it was a business splitting up, they wouldn't be arguing about things uh, like this lamp or that chair. However, there's like you said, there's so much emotion tied up with the house that that's very hard to do. And it's a process. I find that for my clients, the ones that come to me that say they absolutely want to keep the house. And I know from without running a single projection from looking at their assets and their income potential, that that's not a good idea. It takes time for them to work with me that we meet again and again, and we go through the numbers. And I have found over the years that those clients, they get it, but it takes time, but they will come to a point where they will say, absolutely. I I think I should let the house go. And I, but it's, that's a process and that's doesn't happen overnight for people. No, you're absolutely correct. It is a process. I mean, it's hearing it, you know, maybe it's hearing it from you. Maybe it's hearing it from, you know, other sources, but sometimes it takes multiple times, multiple sources saying the same things in different ways that maybe one just clicks. And, you know, the one thing that I always start at with, with the divorcing homeowners is make sure you're staying current on your mortgage because not staying current, again, you might think that you're being, you know, kind of harming the other person, but you're harming yourself. You're, you're, you're harming yourself from moving forward also and from selling the house. So maybe it's, you know, remaining current on your loan so that whenever you go to get another mortgage down the road, that doesn't show up. Or even if you are renting a place, it will come up on a credit report. So it's really kind of thinking this and you are correct. I say that all the time, your marriage, it really does. You know, it was a legal agreement to begin with. When you get married, it's a legal agreement. Your divorce is a legal agreement and it is view it as that business transaction. Your your marriage does in some ways boil down to a business transaction. It's sad to think about it that way, but that's the reality of it. It is. And for many people, it's the largest financial transition of their life. Exactly. So, um it and it it is it is a business transaction. It's very hard to think that way. Um and that's you know that's what our job is is exactly. to try to make sure that people kind of stay on target and keep that in mind when it gets difficult to do that. Um, Jody, let's say that one person is going to, so let's say you're being hired in a case and the parties have not agreed to sell the house, but one person is going to buy out the other one's interest. Is that a situation that you could help out in or give any recommendations? What's the first thing that should happen in that situation? 
Absolutely. 100%. And I think that this is the, this is the one that you really need to kind of slow the process down and understand a little bit. I think sometimes people think of it, well, I will just quit claim the house over to myself. You know, we'll figure out the financial, whether it's a mortgage or, or using, you know, one of the assets, the, you know, liquid assets or whatever to, to purchase the home. But this is the one where you really need to slow down the process and you need to look at this as a brand new purchase. So I recommend to people that what you do is you look at this as the brand new purchase and what would be step one in a brand new purchase. You would meet with a mortgage lender to see if you can qualify for a mortgage to purchase it or buy that buy the other spouse out, you know, taking out a loan. Um, Hopefully that would be your first step. (laughs) You would think you would, you would think, but you would be surprised how that is sometimes the last stop that people make. Oh, I would not be surprised. I know. And then it's like, oh, can I afford this? So it's meeting with that person, meeting with your financial advisor, back to your point before of what you said, can you afford this home? So I want to, you know, I, let's say if they own the house outright, I will forego this retirement, you know, portion of this retirement account in, in lieu of taking, I want the house. Well, how does that, so how does that look? So can you afford it? Not only right now, but what are those financial projections down the road to keep the house? What are your carrying costs? Because you've now gone from, let's say you have a lawn service, a snow service, a cleaning person, whatever it is, all of those expenses are only on you now. They're not being split between two people. So that's number, that's step one. Step two is again, running that full title search on the property because you don't want to be, the person whose congratulations you were awarded the house, but congratulations, you were awarded all the liens that are on this property that you did not know because you just quit claimed it over to yourself. And so it's running that full title search, making sure that there aren't any, let's say if you had, um, had a kitchen remodel two years ago and your spouse was paying all the bills and you did not know that there was a contractor that was out. Well, they can place a, a money still owed. They can place a mechanics lien onto your property. So you you really want to make sure that there are not any types of liens, business liens, tax liens, whatever it is on your property. So that's step two. Step three, home inspection. I will guarantee you that if, when you go to sell this home down the road, that 99.9% of the time, another buyer is having a home inspection, have a home inspection, know what you're getting. I think we can all agree that we have things in our house that are broken, that we maybe walk past and, oh, I'll get that oven fixed at one time. Oh, I'll do this. I'll do, yes, we need a new new furnace and air conditioner or whatever, know what you're getting. Let's say you purchased the house 10 years ago. And at that time, and had a 15 year old roof. Well, now you have a 25 year old roof that is at the end of its life expectancy. Have you been up in your attic? Do you know if it has mold? Do you know if it has rodents? What, what is, what are you, what are you fighting about? What do you want so bad? So understand it because down the road, when you go to sell the home, the buyer is going to have a home inspection. So you may be the only one dealing with it. And then 
even back to that step one with the financial advisor and, and, and the mortgage lender is how long do you plan on keeping this house? I'll hear sometimes I'm keeping it for a year and then I'm going to decide. Well, again, you will be the only one responsible at that point then for the realtor fees, the transfer tax. It's really looking at this of what is what is the reason that you want to keep the house? What is the goal that you want to keep the house? What is the goal for how long you want to keep the house? Can you afford the house? Also, get with your homeowner's insurance. You know, maybe you had a claim two years ago on the house because the sump pump failed and you had a flood in your basement and you filed a claim. Make sure what does that homeowner's insurance look like? So, and then I always do recommend that if you are keeping the house or any house that you that you purchase after the divorce for that first year, you know, it is an adjustment period. You've gone from you know, let's say whether it's two incomes or if you're a stay-at-home parent, you know, one person, but you're you're splitting whatever way you're splitting money and your income will most likely go down. There's an adjustment period. Place a home warranty on the home so that if there are those big ticket items that come up, like the heating, the cooling, um, something with your washer or dryer, that you can call the home warranty company. So, because I will tell you the first time that my air conditioning went, I didn't take my own advice (laughs) and I didn't have that home warranty. But the first time my air conditioning went, I got the home warranty afterwards because once I got the bill, I said, oh, this would have been much less if I had just had the home warranty. So again, that is from personal experience get the home warranty, at least for the first year while we are adjusting to those new finances. So I, these are such great tips. Wow. Um, I was going to ask you, you know, we're taping this in at the very end of summer and I was going to ask you, we're going to be airing this uh, later, you know, what the housing market looks like, but I'm going to say that instead of asking you that, I want you to confirm what I'm interpreting from all these things that you've said, which basically I think is that it doesn't matter what season it is because, or what the market is like, your advice, your input on the team of professionals working with the divorcing client is so valuable that if, if that that's the piece that a lot of people are missing. It almost becomes irrelevant in terms of what the market is like. It really does. I mean, it's even taking a step. I I will tell you, I can walk into homes whenever I'm out there showing properties. I can walk into homes and you just kind of get that sense. I can walk into a master bedroom. Now, you know, I look up, typically I look up beforehand, okay, you know, what's going on. And you'll see, let's say you see two people on the, in the tax records. I walk in, I see just you know, either the wife's clothes or the husband's clothes or just one set of clothes in the closet. And a lot of times I can say they're going through a divorce. Like I can tell they're going through a divorce. You can just tell. So that's another piece that even working with the, now sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But what we want to do is we want to position that house. So this isn't a fire sale. We're not trying to, you know, if people hear, and that's the confidentiality too. I mean, no one knows that you're going through a divorce. So that's the other thing that I also tell clients is that make sure that 
you're kind of not, I think through divorce, a lot of people like to air everything that's going on. You just want to put it all out there. Kind of keep some things with like, with those, the, the people that are friends with you or your neighbors or whatever, because the neighbors love to talk. So you could be, I mean, I've had it where neighbors are outside and people want to know about the development. They'll go up and be, Hey, how is the development? How is this? How is that? Neighbors love to talk. So it's even looking at that. Don't, we don't want to position this as a fire sale. And you are right. There are just little nuances that um, I hope that I bring to the table that is, is definitely different than other, than other realtors. And for me, you are right. It is, it's, it's personal kind of having that personal experience and knowing that no one really is at their best when they're going through the divorce. This is typically a lot of times it's the first rodeo of going through the divorce. And so it really is of having that team of professionals. And I do like to compare it to, you know, going to the, uh, the doctors, they have a team of professionals behind them from the, the therapist to the social workers, to the nurse, to the, you know, techs, they have a team of people. So in divorce, you really need a team of people behind you. I agree. Absolutely. I, I, you do need a team. I think that it does matter too, that the team that you have actually has experience in what you're looking for, because, you know, they might think that, okay, this realtor is going to be on my team. This financial advisor is going to be on my team, but if they don't have divorce experience, that's not what you need. So I think that that is, again, I, I learned so much from talking with you. Thank you. you Back on again sometime. Thank you. I would love to. I'm going to post all of your contact information in the show notes below and any other documents, Jody, that you might want to share with us. uh, We can put that there as well. And again, I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you to our audience for joining us today. As a reminder, please follow and like us or subscribe to us on your social media so that you will be notified of any future episodes. We um, we currently have episodes running every other week on Thursday they launch. Um, and we have a lot of great episodes coming up for our audience. Also, we'd love to hear feedback from you. If you have any questions that you or topics that you'd like us to cover, please reach out by sending us an email or posting on our one of our social media pages. Thank you for listening to the Wealthy After Divorce podcast. You can find more information on Melissa Fradenberg and Jackie Ressler on our website, www.pearlplan.com, as well as on our podcast website, www.wealthyafterdivorce.com.